I'm sorry. Is the cat's name Aslan? It is. Like Narnia? Yeah. Wow. Like Narnia. Okay. You're the real deal. <laughs> brave lion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's funny because I was just watching a video about like what happened to that movie franchise. And I was like, man, that, that happened. And I love the yeah, book. It's like, a, it's like a stillborn. Was there an answer? Yeah. Yeah. Because the movies or the books aren't really made to be. They're not, they don't translate well to film because like they're all kind of like disjointed stories, right? So it's like, how right. do you adapt like a horse and his boy into a movie? It's like, I don't know. Yeah. So, I mean, I was really excited for like the, the, the producers didn't know either, Tommy. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, yeah. I guess this is, is the cold open yeah, talking about, about C.S. Lewis? Is that the cold yeah, open? Yeah, C.S. Okay, Lewis. Uh, hello everybody welcome to the podcast today we have council member tyler maxwell a very very We're, special guest our first fresno elected official tyler maxwell yeah. is here the hey everybody ram tommy thanks for having me thank on. you for coming on how are you i'm good it's been the longest month of my life mm -hmm. um we hit the ground running at city hall i don't know if you've seen some of the initiatives that our office is pushing forward um, yep. but you know we're really excited to be there and so we're, we're off to a bang yeah you are doing a lot i mean it's only been a month uh yep and you already introduced like something pretty big that uh your fellow council members have already shouted at already you at Twitter. Off about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um tom do you want to oh sure the so so, uh, well, first we want to know, like, what is your sign? Oh yeah, um, what is your? What is, <laughs> this is the we want to start from the most important stuff and then work our way down to the to most serious stuff. So, <laughs> I am on the very last day of Libra. Mm. So, like another day later, I would have been like the worst sign ever, which is a Scorpio. Oh, so okay. you're cusp. You know I agree <laughs> with you that uh, we Scorpio Liboria. is the worst sign. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're in agreement libra is the best mm. obviously yeah. uh, you know my roommate so I, my I roommate is a libra day. my roommate is a libra um and i love him very much so that's good sounds like a good guy already. yeah good yeah. guy um and yeah. i i'm a libra rising so this pot's gonna that, go what well. does that mean so <laughs> i mean so yeah, there's I'm the astrology expert yeah go Tommy, ahead you even know what that Tom, means? Tommy I, well yeah sort of because you have a sun sign a moon sign and then a rising sign tommy doesn't believe yeah. in astrology so let me no, explain and I, re I really don't too. for also for the folks <laughs> listening they don't know what the sun moon and rising is sun is like your personality what your core personality is your moon is your inner self so how you see yourself and how you feel inside your like emotions so sometimes people relate to their moon sign a lot more than their sun sign. And then rising is how you project yourself into the world. Like how so just like some really scientific stuff. Yeah, very scientific. Mm -hmm. um, right. gotcha. Metaphysics. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Astronomy and where the intersection of astronomy and metaphysics is your rising sign. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm back at UC Berkeley, you guys. Oh my God. Is that where you went? Moment. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That is where you went. When did you graduate? Uh, 2013. Mm, what, so 
I, I thought, okay, so I, I actually did read what the degree was, but I don't remember it. What was the, de- what was, what were you? Sorry, it wasn't a memorable one. So <laughs> <laughs> it was, I, I did legal studies and psychology. Mm. One of my favorite movies at the time was Silence of the Lambs. You oh guys my both seen God. Silence? Yes. That's one of my favorite and movies. What were her two majors? Cla- Clarice. I don't it is, it was pre-law and psychology. So I was mm. like, if I'm going to take down the Hannibal Lecter's, oh my God, these are the two majors I need to take. <laughs> so you were like, oh, Clarice Starling, I stand. I'm doing it. How I'm do doing you the not? Same thing. Yeah, no, she's a, she's amazing. That movie, that movie is, that, that movie holds up, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it holds up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and needless, needless to say, I did not join the FBI. I want a very different path. That's good. Yeah, honestly, (laughs) that's for the best. Um, (laughs) So, but we do we do want to ask some substance questions, like some boring substance questions. So, so spicy substance questions. (laughs) So you you proposed the Zero Fare Clean Air Act, which would eliminate the uh, fee or fare to ride the fax bus. Mm -hmm. And I just want to ask why busing is like a top priority for you, and um, how can that help our city by eliminating that fee entirely? No, I I appreciate the question. you know, I didn't talk about my past a lot before I started running for city council. Mm-hmm. Something I actually like really try to avoid talking about. Yeah. But, um, you know, both of my parents were addicted to drugs and alcohol. We were raised, you know, on welfare and food stamps. It, it was rough, right? Um, and we relied on the bus to get pretty much anywhere we wanted to go. You know, my dad raised my little sister and I. And I remember, you know, on Fridays and Saturdays, he would have to choose, you know, are, are we going to spend our precious money to take the bus to see a relative across town? Is he going to use the money to go take the bus to search for a job downtown? Are we going to go to the park? Are we going to go grab lunch? And, and, you know, we could only do one of those things, you know, a week or every two weeks, things that, you know, most people take for granted. You're going to knock them all out in one afternoon. It's a real sacrifice that tens of thousands of people in Fresno make every single day. And I heard so many stories about people that relied on the bus when I was on my campaign. I knocked on thousands of doors and, you know, I talked to homeless people. I talked to veterans. I talked to people with disabilities. I talked to Fresno City College students. And this theme kept coming up about how important the bus was to get to where uh, their essential services were, whether it was school, groceries, work, or the hospital. So many people take the bus. And there's that narrative out there that why would you invest in public transportation? Nobody rides the bus. Mm. I heard that so many times and it's simply not true. I think it comes from, you know, a place of privilege where people, you know, have one or two vehicles and never had to ride a bus before. And our community has been asking for this for a really long time, right? This is nothing new, but unfortunately, or unfortunately because of COVID, uh, it's really shed a light on how vital the service is for so many people. Um, and it's given us the impetus to push something like this forward because we're trying to get more people vaccinated, mm. not a year from now today. We're trying to get people back to work. We're eventually going to have to get students back to school. We need to stimulate our economy. We need to clean our air. These things can't wait. And so I don't want a one year exploratory committee to explore this to death. I want it tomorrow. Mm. So, so this is very so this is very personal to you given your background which you don't like to talk about necessarily but so we appreciate extra you sharing it but so in a, so in a way we're 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 trying to intervene and sort of prevent childhoods like yours at least the negative aspects of them from happening in so many families who are affected by these fees we're trying to eliminate that 
Well, here's the thing. I mean, poverty is not a natural occurrence, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's a policy decision. And there's certain things that we could do to make the quality of life better for the people of Fresno. You don't pay a fee every time you drive up and down Champlain and Perrin Boulevard. You don't pay a fee every time you go to your local park. You don't pay a fee every time you call the police. So why is it that we charge the poorest people in our city to ride public transportation? We know that 76% of people who ride the bus make less than $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're the absolute, you know, worst off when it comes to our community, when it comes to financial standing. And those are the people that we're charging for a service. That doesn't add up. But in a way, by we are so it is sort of shifting around the cost. So like you said, the poor the poorest people in the city are the ones who are riding the bus, they're paying the fee. But by removing the fee, we it does have to the the cost of maintaining these buses does have to shift elsewhere, right? And um, you know, I had read that five point five to six million dollars in revenue from those fares. Mm-hmm. So how do you fill that hole? Yeah. Um, great question. So there's an internal answer and there's an external answer. So we've been having really good conversations with people who are already bulk purchasing bus tickets every year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be Fresno State, Fresno Unified, State Center Community College. They're on board. They want to continue partnering with us to help fill that uh, financial delta. We're meeting with folks like Community Regional Medical Center who's interested in partnering with us because they realize how important this is for the public health of the community. Um, And that's going to cover a big chunk of the cost, but the other chunk comes from internally. Where do we move dollars around so that this makes sense and we don't have to have a new tax? Mm -hmm. This is not an extra fee on anybody in our city. And so one of the things that I'm looking at is we currently spend $2 million a year to have armed officers, uh, dedicated to our bus system that, you know, it's $2 million for 12 officers a year. So I know last year we had about 200 fare disputes on our bus, which is, you know, it's somebody was like a nickel or a dime short. Mm -hmm. Uh, Somebody didn't want to pay fare or somebody didn't understand that they had to pay fare. You know, that happens a lot. And so what will happen a lot of times is the fax driver calls fax police an armed officer boards the bus. And there's an entirely avoidable altercation that takes place over a dollar twenty-five. That's just like the craziest thing I've, I've ever heard. And what happened, um, so our fiscal year starts in July and it goes to the next June. Well, as of January, you know, the police ended those contracts with facts. So there's no more police going over to facts. And so we have about a million dollars right now that we could use to go towards this. But I'm looking past just the next six months, just, Mm. you know, past the next year. Why are we having armed officers go on the bus? You know, I'm looking into having behavioral health, you know, uh, specialists, uh, social workers, housing experts. They should be the ones going on the bus if there's an issue. De-escalating the situation and getting people the services that they need. I mean, it just makes sense. And it makes financial sense, too, for helping fill that hole right Tommy mm-hmm. is oh I wanted to ask is that one million two million because like there was like a line in the presentation it says like we'll require facts to dig a little into their own pockets but we can meet them halfway is that what you meant when you said that like facts will have to dig a little bit into their own pocket I was kind of just confused. right they, they need to come up with some of the financing too right mm-hmm. I mean we're definitely going to reach out to our private partners because this is a community uh 
asset. You know, a lot of people have expressed interest, but Fax needs to get a little bit smarter about how that money's being allocated as well. Um, you know, just by going zero fare, there's so much money that goes into just collecting fare. Yeah. You know, you have to have the armored car that picks up the money and takes it to a bank. There's the 60 ticket machines that we have around Fresno. There's the printing of the physical tickets. There's the money counting room, the security cameras, the auditing. I mean, it adds up to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. And so simply by going zero fare, you've already saved a big chunk of change. So like if this would become law, I could literally just walk into a bus and like, I, I'm going, I'm going places. Is that, that's is that, that's what the it, hope, right? I mean, oh, okay. we, we need to make it as easy as possible to where, you know, Ram, you could walk on any bus in our city, you hop on it and you go where you want to go. There's not a second thought. Nobody's digging through their pockets for spare change. There's no long lines. Nobody trying to download the app or struggling with the ticket machine or haggling with the bus driver. You just get on a bus and you go where you need to go. Uh, it's, it's funny when it, like when I first used the fax bus, I got into a car accident and I couldn't use my car. So I had to use, oh, I had to use the fax uh, bus because I had to get city. Um, mm-hmm. and it's funny because I didn't know how to get my bike onto those racks in the front. It was almost. I, I've always had anxiety yes. about oh that because I know the yes. day will come when I have to do that, and I have no idea. How to yes, do that. it was the most anxious, <laughs> the most anxiety-inducing thing I had to do because I was right. like, I, I don't know how to use this. So, but the the fax driver was really kind and like, oh, this is how you do it. He like got off and like put it on. I was like, oh, cool. And like, I had like very interesting conversations in my time at the fax bus. Like, and that to this day that I still kind of like like stayed with me for some reason. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a unique experience, right? And I think that's why we're finally starting to see policies like this Ram is because we finally have a majority of folks on the city council who have ridden a public bus Mm -hmm. and understand how vital service like that is, right? Whereas in the past, you've had, you know, wealthy property owners and attorneys that Mm. probably have never ridden a fax bus before and don't see why that would be a priority for hundreds of thousands of people yeah i mean speaking of the council your colleague you already have some critics you already have some critics and one of them is on one of them one of them is on the council gary tweeted this he said completely fool oh maybe i should do my gary voice i should i should get get a gary voice but he said completely foolish idea will be 30 million dollar loss to city not six million due to matching funds will will result in many bus route cancellations including central fresno and bus driver layoffs nothing is free someone always pays and it's usually middle class (laughs) and i want to ask about the matching funds what does that mean in this context well, a lot of that was Gary Mad. I put that on the same level about that metaphysics we were talking about earlier with the signs. Um, his math doesn't add up. We do have some state requirements that basically uh, we get some grants from the state of California that says you have to get so much money in local funds every year if you want to continue getting grant money. And so, you know, Gary hasn't done any research into this. He doesn't know the literally dozens and dozens and dozens of meetings I've had about this just over the last 30 days with private stakeholders, with our bulk buyers. We're not going to leave facts in a position to where they're just out $5 million overnight. Mm -hmm. That's not good policy, but that's also not what we're doing. But again, it's scary math. Uh, (laughs) math. It it probably works for his constituents. So 
So they will be out more. Well, I mean, you know, not out in the cold, but they will be down six million, not thirty million, like you said. Is that? Yeah, I mean, if we left a complete vacuum there, we would be in a situation to where the state of California would be like, okay, you're not meeting our grant requirements, mm. which, by the way, have been suspended due to COVID nineteen. Mm. You know, a lot. There's only ten people out on a bus at a time, so right. we're not getting the revenue that we used to. Um, so yeah, it, it's. You now, know, what about what about bus route cancellations? Because yeah. I guess the thinking there is that the the fax bus will have to downsize to um, account for the revenue loss. Yeah, and it's not just Gary saying this. I was just looking through Twitter. Yeah, There's some people, other too. people saying that like they're worried that other people concerned constituents. Even what do you say to the people that are concerned about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's completely antithetical to cut you know the bus routes or the bus service. The whole point is to make the service more accessible to people. And again, if we were just, you know, saying, hey, you know, $5 million, you figure it out, you know, maybe we would be in that situation. But, you know, me and my co-sponsors, Councilwoman Soria and Councilman Esparza, you know, we're not the kind of people to do that. We're looking into every nook and cranny and making sure that we're in a good situation. So, and we've been having... So yeah, this policy will have like sort of built-in stabilizers to prevent yep. layoffs and route yep. cancellations? It's in the language. It's in the language. Could we talk about like the specifics of what kind of things could stabilize that? And I, and you know, I, I regret having to like really dig into this, but I just want people no, that's, that's to, to put people at ease, of course. Well, it's just part of the language. You know, we're going to go zero fare and fax us, you know, we're coming in with some private dollars and we're going to talk to fax and say, fax, you have to find, you know, we've identified, you know, two dozen areas where you could get this money from. Come back to us with your plan. However, the caveats are you cannot cut back on service and you cannot lay off our bus drivers mm. or their supervisor. And, you know, we're not going to give it the green light unless you give us a financial plan that meets those criteria. Mm. Okay. So we, we're going to introduce something and probably give facts a little bit of time to review their own finances, which they've been doing already. Meet with us. We come in with our private partners and we make it happen. And... Um... You know, Clovis kind of did the same thing back in October, but theirs is temporary. I think I understand. Theirs is permanent, actually. Theirs is permanent. Okay. It is permanent. And this will now. be permanent as well. Like, this, fares are never going to come back if this happens, or at least it, in your ideal world. <laughs> not ways. on my watch. Not on your <laughs> I mean, watch. I'm okay. not going to be a council member forever, forever right? Yeah. You could always undo the previous administration, but I could tell you while I'm in office, that's not going to be the case. They say once government makes something free, it's really hard to get it to go back to being costed i guess or to costing money they do say that so maybe sure. we can rely on that at least <laughs> <laughs> who said that um, maybe that but you you mentioned earlier like you weren't interested in like the exploratory committee like like LA's was like 10 months or something um, right but but it isn't the committee's purpose to like research the, like the the benefits and the the cost and the the possible consequences it, is it is it too fast people might be worried about that too is it too fast so a couple of things. We're not the first city to do this, right? Not by a long shot. You have cities like Clovis. You have cities like Visalia. You have cities like Modesto, Corvallis, Oregon, Olympia, Washington, Kansas City, City. Missouri. Um, you know, city. There's dozens of cities across the United States who have already pioneered zero fare, and they see the same results. Um, crime on the bus goes down. Ridership goes way up. It's good for the air. It creates new jobs because people are no longer spending their precious dollars on bus fare. 
they're spending it in the local economy. So it's actually going to ge- generate more tax revenue for the city. It's going to create more jobs. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I would add to that is I, I think exploratory committees have a, a special place, right? I, I think the police reform commission served up some really good ideas about what we can do to improve our police department. However, at the end of the day, I was elected to be a council member that makes decisions in times of crises and face the consequences. If we wait a year, we will have really missed the mark because people are, are trying to get vaccinated today. They're yeah. trying to get back to work today. We need to get ourselves out of the red when it comes to our tax revenue. We need to start stimulating the economy. Certain things can't wait. Um, and so that that's why um, I'm really pushing for this to happen as soon as possible. Yeah. And, um, you, you, I, I read a quote from you that said that um, <clears throat> uh, suspending the fare for only part of the day is the type of policy designed to make your policy fail. Could you expand on that right. idea a little bit? Yeah, you have, you know, folks in politics who be, you know, they want to make it seem like they're conceding ground. You know, oh, okay, we'll make this happen, but let, let's just do it from like five to six. Yeah. And we'll see what the results are. Well, you make it free for one hour a day. Are you going to see an increase in ridership overall? Yeah. Are you going to see any new tax revenue going into the city? Are you going to see a reduction in carbon emissions? Of course not. It's ridiculous. It's designed, it's watered down and designed to make policies like this fail because they know that no measurable outcome will come from something like that. And some people are even arguing that it should be means tested, like that because certain people can afford to ride the bus. What do you, what do you think of that idea? I mean, I already yeah, know what you um, think of it, but you know, <laughs> give you an opportunity to address it. Um, Well, there's two different populations we really want to target, right? One is, you know, those people making less than $20,000 a year, the people living in our impacted communities that rely solely on the bus to get to every service that they need. How do we break barriers for the people that have systematically been living in poverty? A zero fare. But the other population that we're targeting, folks like us, right, discretionary riders, we don't need to ride the bus. But how do we entice more people to ditch a car and to ride a bus? True. Um, Because it's not until we do that, that we really start to see that reduction in carbon emissions, right? And that's another goal. We want less people driving cars and more people riding bus. So yeah, we want to make it as easy as possible for people who could afford to pay a bus even to get on it zero fare. Because when you introduce things like free Wi-Fi on a bus and you make it clean and you have zero fare, more young professionals, more students, are going to ditch the car and take the bus. And that is going to be what's going to help our environment in the long run. I haven't, I haven't ridden on a fax bus in a long time, but have they? I'll take some time. Wow. Have they introduced, sorry, I'm caught off guard a little bit. Have they introduced um, like free Wi-Fi already? Or is that something that would have to happen? Like, or Wi-Fi? Well, according to the conversations I've had, we were slated to have it as soon as this spring. I don't know if COVID has slowed that down a little bit, but originally it was going to be introduced as early as spring of this year on all of our buses. Right. So we want to make the buses more attractive so people ride them. Right. But at the same time, we're eliminating the primary funding source for that whole department. Right? Yeah, so how does that work? Isn't there some tension there? Not, not the primary funding source. So yeah. that department's budget is $170 million. We get $5 million in revenue. That's 3% of that entire budget. Oh, from fares. So de- definitely not the primary funding oh, okay. source. Okay. Well, what is a primary funding source? 
Uh, federal and state grants, mm. Measure C. Okay. Um, those are going to be the top three. Yeah, there. I I read something like they were worried that this is going to take away from Measure C dollars. But is that? Well, I mean, so we have those state requirements that I was telling you about earlier, mm. where we receive grant money from the state of California. Yeah. And it says, you know, twenty percent of your fax operating cost has to come from local sources like fair revenue. Mm. Well, $170 for the entire department. But when it comes to just the fax bus line, it's closer to $60 million operating budget. And we're currently only getting about 10% of that through fair revenue. Mm. The other 10% is coming through measure C. And so that satisfies the grant requirement. So I asked the fax director, why not just use measure C for the full 20%? Mm. And he says, oh, we don't receive enough measure C funds or else we would. But guess what? Measure C could be on the ballot as soon as next year. And me and my colleagues really want to push to make sure that we're getting a more equitable share in the city of Fresno because we have half of the county's population and we're up to a million people during a regular workday and people in our city want better public transportation. So we're going to be fighting to make sure that the next allotment of measure C is going to be going towards zero fare. And that's really going to be the vehicle that, uh, you know, delivers this financially for the long run. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just thinking for like, you know, for the people who aren't even on board, I'm like, yo, wait, how long? I was like, you just take the bus, you know, when you're drunk as hell. I'm like, <laughs> well, I'm trying to sit no, from, my, from my point of view. I'm like, yeah. why am I going to use it? Just kidding. Well, I don't know where you live, but you know, where Close. I live, if I want to go to like the modernist downtown, yeah. you know, it's like $16 for an Uber during peak hour yeah, like yeah. both ways. And I definitely don't want to drive if I'm drinking, but yeah. if I could hop on the bus next, yeah. you know, right outside my house and take it downtown for free. Yeah. yeah of course I'm going to do I, that. I always like, whenever I travel to other like cities, I always, I always notice these, notice these things in other countries or cities where it's like their public transportation is so much better and i always think yeah. like why can't fresno have this <laughs> like i wish we had yeah like, and we're we're always trailing other major cities instead of just like being bold if mm -hmm. we were to do this we would be the largest city in the country to do it yeah yeah because i i actually i actually was reading like a because a lot of your critics have made long twitter threads with studies that have been done on some of the other cities that have done something similar like uh, places in New Jersey and Colorado um, that only saw like a pretty modest bump in there in people writing it after implementing no fare. Right. And then um, one quote from the abstract was um, observed effects on the operator were minimal with the exception of the associated revenue loss. So do you worry about like the worst case scenario where it's a, it's a modest bump for a huge price tag in the largest city? to do it um I, i'm not worried about that at all because you're gonna have outliers when it comes to any study right things you know cities that had i've seen cities that had 80 percent bump and i've seen cities that have you know a relatively modest bump but you look at the average you look at the average city is seeing between 20 to 50 percent in the first five years and usually an even bigger bump if they get it to the five to 10 year mark. That's average. And you know, we're an average sized American city. We're just over half a million people. I think we're gonna see similar results to cities that are similar to us, like Kansas City, Missouri. Um, they're right behind us when it comes to population and they saw a 20% increase immediately. Damn. And what? what? Well, 20% does, does sound pretty good. 
I just, yeah. yeah, you know, I love the, I love the idea of it. I get why people are itchy about it. Cause 5 million sounds like a big number. Um, but if, if most of the revenue doesn't come from fares or I'm sorry, if most of the funding doesn't come from fares, I mean, I guess I don't see why we can't just eliminate the fares, but, uh, do you do you understand though why people are so scared of such a big number like five million dollars? Like, absolutely. it sounds I mean, like spending to them. Um, and you know, if any of us had five million dollars, we would retire tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it comes out to three percent of that department's budget. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can move around one and a half percent of their budget and allow us to come in with private investors, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a slam dunk. And the grand scheme of things, it's a it's a slam dunk. And, um, you know, I I don't see this concern for finances come up when it comes to other things being funded in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, I know one of my conservative colleagues wanted the city to pay developers when we didn't process their papers fast enough. Right. Mm -hmm. That's what council member Bredefeld wanted to do with, um, I think, his very poor intentioned policy of the money back guarantee where, you know, if we didn't process, um, developers paperwork fast enough we were going to pay them money (laughs) and i did not hear that concern come up during that conversation Mm. that seems coconut (laughs) (laughs) it seems that seems very coconuts it's it seems it seems uh (laughs) because like a because like a city is like a huge bureaucracy so of course things get lost yeah i don't expect government to go It's, it's literally yeah, we've all seen Parks and Rec. We know what it's like. Yeah. yeah do you, how do you feel about living your life like that show now? Like you're in the show. Yeah, you live that show. You live the day, show every day now. Yeah, that's my life. I strive to be Leslie No. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully without the recall. <laughs> uh, you never know. Now I have to ask, The Office versus Parks and Rec, where are you on the spectrum of, of that? Most controversial question. I, I, and this I is could've. the most consequential this question. Is the most, this, this will affect your re-election. Yeah, this will, will be, the, that's actually the most <laughs> hardest question. Should you seek it? <laughs> and then we'll ask the second hardest question. Oh my gosh. Yeah, office versus Well, ask me the second hardest. We'll come oh, back to this. second one. hardest. Um, okay. Pop out. Okay, second hardest. <laughs> well, you know. If I was only left with one, I would probably choose the office. Uh, all right, interview over. This is the interview <laughs> I see, over. I see you next time, bye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, dude, I hate the office. I mean, I, I, you hate the I office? hate the office. Uh, oh wow, this is where this hot take is finally coming out. On oh wait, have I never said this on pod? five by five nine? Did, did I don't something think really bad happen to you in an office, no, Rand? Like you were I, traumatized? I, I think it just became a running bit within my life where I just hate the office. It's just also it's just. I hate it, it is cringy how many people yeah it's on like, every it's the only show they've ever yeah, seen it's like they're only please watch another show there's like other shows like yeah like i think it's one of those things where you're oh. angrier at the fans yeah I'm, I, I'm angry product. at the fans because like or yeah just it's it's been on too many tinder bios i've read i'm like okay dude watch some other show please but but, <laughs> but speaking of passionate fan bases that are upset oh uh, the fresno sunrise movement uh, yeah let's get down to the <laughs> My homies. Your, my yeah, your homies, homies your, your guys. Your guys, because, <laughs> you you know, you were on their naughty list for 2020. And yeah, me and Devin Nunes yeah, in the same category. Yeah. That was <laughs> and the, the, the one city council member proposing environmental policy. Yeah, well, this is what they said. A quote, quote, a, you accepted <laughs> campaign contributions from the Western Petroleum States Association. You accepted $550, $550 in postage. For your council race from Henry T. Perea. 
So that's quote unquote oil money. And they want you to return it. So oil well, as they call you, why did you accept that oil money? Well, I would like to make a point of correction okay. um, because I know Sunrise didn't bother to do the homework. I didn't take it from Henry T. I took it from Henry R. His dad is a friend of mine. His dad does not work for Chevron. I saw him one day. He's like, hey, how can I help? I was like, you got some stamps? He's like, yeah, I'll get you some stamps. He, he gave me $500 worth of stamps. And a year later, I am up there with Devin Nunes when it comes to environmental terrorists. Yeah, you are. Seems like you are. This, um, but I, but I think this is a really, this is a really good into a deeper issue, which is the perception of like when political people are like seen in association with a name, it's like automatically assumed that they're like best friends with that person, right. have exactly the same interests with that person, and that their special interests have total control over that politician. So. How, you know, and we're, and of course, building a progressive movement is very important, but how can we all be on the same page about what is and isn't concerning as far as what appears to be conflict of interest? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I think it's one of those things where you have to see what uh, a legislator does, right? I mean, are they taking money and still being a neutral person on the dais? I mean, are they clearly bending over backwards for big oil or big pharma? Um, you can make all the speculation you want, but I mean, it plays out in real time. Mm -hmm. And so everyone's able and free to draw whatever conclusions they want based off of whatever money you take. But I mean, time is the real teller. Would you give it back just to make them <laughs> shut up about it? No, Have because you considered? I don't think you should uh, appease folks who are more interested in being angry than going out and, you know, doing real campaign work for people fighting for environmental policies. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't believe in that. I mean, you could just give so, it to so us. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you want Patreon.com. Yeah, you can give it to us and we'll be like, you know, Sunrise, he's good. He's good with us. So He's good. No, uh, he's good. We've been bought out by special interests yeah. as well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, Gosh, you know, they, you know, from I and, and you know, as a Libra, <laughs> surely you can appreciate the duality, the both sidesism of like what other, of what other people are feeling. So I'm sure the people in the Fresno Sunrise movement, there's, they're of course very concerned about the state of this planet. They're very concerned about the things happening, about environmental policy, about b big oil having an influence in our city. And I'm sure so many people see that little spreadsheet of the money donation and I could see how they would jump to that conclusion without knowing what you've shared today. So if you could talk to those people who would otherwise be on your side, but are a little put off by this, like what would you tell them? I would just say, Hey, instead of yelling, listen, I know you're upset and I understand why our city has a really bad history with let's face it, white guys that look like me making poor decisions when it comes to the, you know, uh, detriment of our city that's been happening for decades. And so I think there is a reluctance to accept, you know, a young white guy doing the right thing at city hall. Mm -hmm. And that that's one of the things that, you know, I I'm living in the shadow of is proven, you know, I'm not like the folks who came before me. Um, I have a different background. I'm here to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, if we could just stop yelling at each other for a second and talk and listen you know, maybe some of this could be explained and maybe you wouldn't have to put me in a Santa hat. <laughs> yeah. So a plea for unity from Tyler Maxwell. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, 
actually this you know as a this would actually this this next question is from our patrons and okay. um it ties in with you being a white cis man uh because mm-hmm. you are and they sure. ask how will you be able nobody's to, perfect <laughs> no yeah no one's perfect how will you be able to accurately assess the needs of minorities in your district what are you going to do to educate yourself on your my a uh, male white cis privilege oh man yeah <laughs> the people want i think know. it goes back to i think it goes back to just listening i mean i'm never gonna know what it's like to be a young woman of color growing up in Fresno. I will never truly know what that's like. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I did grow up, you know, like I, like I said, in poverty, mm-hmm. I grew up on welfare and food stamps, but I also acknowledge, you know, the privilege inherent in me as a white man in our society. You know, I was able to attend a good college and, you know, get a good job. And a lot of people that have grown up with similar circumstances to me do not have that ability. And so um, I made sure that when I was knocking on doors, I, you know, I was listening to everybody's story, mm-hmm. um, whether they resembled me or not, whether they had a similar background to me or not. And while I may never truly understand their struggle, I, I do certainly sympathize with it because I know what it's like to grow up you know, poor, to grow up in a not great neighborhood. Um, and I, I, I'm going to let my policies speak for themselves. I mean, they're not always going to be popular, right? We're seeing that with zero fare, but I think it's what's truly right for our city to start correcting some of the wrongs of Fresno's past. Because you're kind of a a policy guy, like you're you're kind of a you're kind of an Elizabeth Warren, right? <laughs> like so, but but so much of politics. As long as I'm not a Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> right? Well, okay. Listen, time will tell. I guess. <laughs> I mean, he is but, a tra- like, he's a transplant I like guy. Pete. I like Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> so much of politics is like s- seemingly, you know, emotions and connections and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, identification with with a with a, another politician. Do you ever worry that people won't hear you out just because your background, even though it is similar in some ways because of growing up in, in a lot of ways? Do you ever worry that because you're white, cis, et cetera, that some people just won't hear you out. They'll just see someone who doesn't care about them. And it's expected. And again, it's understandable because I know what guys like me that look like me have been doing for decades at city hall. And it's been screwing over so many people in our city. So I think it's a healthy skepticism that exists out there. Um, and you know, it, it already happens. Um, I share a communications director with council member Esparza and, you know, we'll, we'll post, um, we'll have them post, you know, a similar caption on a post for each of us. And it's just really interesting to see what the responses are on each side. <laughs> you know, how could, how could you understand you're a white man, you don't know anything and, you know, and it doesn't necessarily happen on both sides, but because people have that skepticism towards me, um, I face that backlash and I'm going to just have to prove it's the only way to do it is to prove to these folks that I'm not like, you know, my predecessors, I'm not going to do things the same way that they have. Mm-hmm. And we have another uh, patron question. That's kind of along the same lines a little bit. Sure. It's, it's about Jerry Dyer. Um, uh, your boss. They say, they say who they characterize as your boss. Um, but however, Jerry Dyer is known for running a corrupt, racist, and sexist police department. What would you say to his constituents that are nervous about his administration? The patron writes. 
um, I, I think a healthy skepticism is warranted. You know, not just Jerry, but all of us. I mean, especially us newbies like me and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what, what's going to happen over the next four years? I can't tell you. But the reason that we have elections every four years is for accountability. You know, whether you're Democrat or Republican. Mm-hmm. And what we saw in 2020 last year was a really tight marriage race. And so Jerry's got an uphill battle, too, to prove to people that, um, you know, his past isn't necessarily going to be his future. You know, that that's his burden. You know, we're not carrying that water for him. Um, you know, we have a similar burden ourselves as council members to prove to folks that we're going to continue to do better. Yo. You know, I, I, I'm so confused about Jerry because, you know, all I've ever heard about him is very negative things, sure. but then he becomes mayor and, you know, I just, I, the stories I do see don't seem that concerning. Bro. Is it possible that, you know, should we give Jerry a chance? Ah! I don't know. <laughs> should we give Jerry a chance? <laughs> I, I can't decide that for you. Um, that That's going to be up to you to decide for yourselves to judge Everyone yeah. on an individual basis. I already judged mm-hmm. him. Jerry, come on the pod. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, only God can judge, man. Jerry, I'll God judge you if you me. come on the podcast. I'm just kidding. We, Yeah, Jerry. Hey, when, when are you going to get me and Gary both on? Yes, oh, my goodness. Oh. We will host. Okay, we're talking about doing live streams. We would host a debate. Like, that would be... <laughs> The event of the century. Gary. Like I think, oh, man, my you know. dream, my dream guest is Gary. If he wants to come on, I'm, I'm yeah, you are the closest. You know, he once said we're his guy. favorite newsletter. We, oh, he once said we were his favorite. He newsletter. did. That was before he knew what five by five. By oh. Yeah, I should say one of his interns said. Yeah, <laughs> we no, I, his I love Gary. I want him on. We, we only got us. you on here, Tyler, so I could get to Gary. That's. Yeah, I was true just love. A you're just a pawn in the scheme, in the yeah. scheme to get to Gary because, like, all right, <laughs> I got someone in City Hall now, I could get to Gary because <laughs> he will not follow me back. Oh my god, um, um <laughs> I want to I want to talk a little bit about homelessness because that's a big uh, issue in Fresno, right? Um, and during the campaign, you said that homelessness should be addressed by providing incentive to build new, um, new, ho- new affordable housing, mm-hmm. housing first, yeah. What 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 would those incentives look like? Um, well, I mean, right now we offer huge incentives to single family residence developers, mm-hmm. to you know folks like Amazon and Ulta to move into our backyard and and do business. We don't offer those same businesses to people trying to produce affordable housing. Mm-hmm. People can't afford two hundred four hundred thousand dollar stucco McMansions. You know, mm-hmm. we have almost one in three people living in poverty in our city. And so we have to offer similar tax incentives to folks trying to build affordable housing. We have to help connect them better to state tax credits. And we have to look outside the city of Fresno, right? I mean, there's developers beyond just those who live in the city of Fresno. Let's look to NorCal, to Los Angeles, to other states, and try to attract folks like that to come build here. And, you know, obviously, and I, I think that's a great idea, but obviously construction projects take time and homelessness is a mm-hmm. huge threat now, right now, right this instant, um, especially during a pandemic. And, you know, we've all been talking about Project Home Key. Right. Are there other drastic measures we could be taking to have an immediate effect on homelessness and supporting the homeless? Well, one conversation, ongoing conversation that I've been having since I took office a month ago is talking with folks and even FPOA 
about how do we make homeless task force not an armed officer response? Mm. Um, you know, we, we've even heard people within the police department say, you know, we want our people focus on violent crime. Okay, perfect. Let's do that. And let's bring in folks who are trained to deal with mental health issues and substance abuse and housing issues and social work issues to make contact with those folks. Because we have about a 1% positive response rate when we have our homeless task force go out and make contact with homeless and offer them services. It's about 1%. That's beyond failing, right? And I'm not saying it's you know the officer's fault per se, but when you see an armed person come up to you, you're gonna get a little bit defensive. You're already kind of living on the edge of the law, so to speak, right? You have a healthy skepticism towards law enforcement. So let's get folks in there who maybe are not as intimidating that have the education, skills, and experience to deal with this population and get them the services that they need. And so, you know, you've, you've also said that a major part of it could be attracting businesses that could pay people better, pay living wages, have an impact on it that way. But like, how can we, how can we attract businesses like that to this city? And also how can we make the businesses that are already here pay a living wage without, you know, killing jobs like we're always worried about? Well, it's, you know, it's going to depend on what kind of businesses we're attracting here. What businesses are we going to bend over backwards for? Ones that are seasonal, that are probably going to be automated someday and don't pay very great? Or are we going to try to, you know, do things like a citywide PLA, which is one of the things that the council introduced at my first meeting? Um, And essentially for the listeners out there, PLA is a project labor agreement. This is an agreement between the city and the labor force basically saying any city construction is going to happen through the labor force. And we're going to pay a living wage. You're going to get benefits. You're going to get your sick leave. You're going to get your time off and you're going to be respected like a human being. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're going to be designing, um, construction at the airport. We're going to be designing probably new construction at Manchester Mall eventually all throughout the city, whether it's, you know, the West uh, Fresno Community College campus, whatever. Let's make sure those are project labor agreements so that local people, not out of town folks, get those jobs, they get paid a living wage, and they get treated with basic human dignity. It's as simple as that. Um, We're coming up on our on our time limit for the free episode mark yes what? Was, sorry guys there was one, we're sorry guys but there, is, there is one lo- last thing i wanted to ask you that i've asked actually i think all of the other uh people who've been on who were seeking elected office or who already had it and you know a lot of people get into politics because they want to change the system and make life more equitable and you know fair for everyone but systems have a way of absorbing people into them and catching them up on the details and and things slow down and before they know it, you know, time has passed and not much has changed. How do you grapple with how difficult it can be to change a system from inside of it? Like, one of the things that is really reassuring is that the council I serve on now, a majority of us have like shared experiences and a shared background. And that makes doing business so much easier because you don't have the usual suspects running around city hall. I feel like I actually have colleagues who 
you know, are down for the cause that want to actually fight for the people. And this job can definitely wear you down. I mean, I've been in there one month and I feel like I've been in there for a year already. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's seeing projects come to fruition like Zero Fair. I had a homeless veteran email me today saying, thank you so much for the Zero Fair. This is going to change my life because I rely on the bus to get everywhere. It's little things like that that really push you forward and knowing that you have a good group of colleagues that are there to back you up that make the job worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you never, so you don't, you don't worry about losing your way, getting bought out by oil money. You don't worry about that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I pledged, uh, I'm not taking oil money or police money. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's for no other reason. You know, I have friends that work in the police department. It's nothing mm-hmm. personal, but hard decisions have to be made. And I want to make sure that I am thinking clearly when it comes time to make those big decisions. And um, that's not to say one thing or another, other than, you know, I'm trying to make sure that I am in an objective place when it comes time to make those decisions. Damn. And for our listeners, is there anything you want for our, you know, most of our listeners, is there anything you want to plug before, you know, that people should watch out for involving you and the city council, anything you want to plug right now? Well, um, you know, the Zero Fair Clean Air Act is part of a bigger initiative we're calling Conserve Fresno. So in our first hundred days, we're really going to be pushing for, um, you know, ways to clean our air, um, ways to make our parks better, reinvesting back into our, you know, uh, neglected parks and uh, working on our water supply too. Um, it's a whole package deal. Um, I think it's something most young people could get behind because it's going to affect their future, right? We're the future of the city mm-hmm. and what happens to our air and our parks and our water today, it's going to have longstanding consequences. So um, I'm really excited. Um, the zero fare thing is going to be coming up quick. And so, you know, if you have a story about riding the bus, you know, I'd love to hear it, you know, reach out to me. Um, let me know what that would mean to you. Um, yeah. And I just look forward to, you know, finishing my first hundred days so we could go on to the next. Damn. Run. How many, how many days has it been? 30, 32, 32 day 32. We're already coming right. in high. 